for joining me for the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Howie Jacobson. Today we return to one of my favorite topics, which is negotiation. I've never felt like I was good at negotiating. It always felt awkward, like if I pushed, I was being selfish. And I have frequently in my life negotiated deals, accepted terms that I never felt good. And so in the past, I've had Chris Voss, who wrote the wonderful book, Never Split the Difference. And today I have another negotiation expert, my new friend, Greg Williams, the master negotiator and body language expert. So in today's conversation, we talk not just about negotiation tactics, words to use, arguments to make, but also how to read someone else's body language and how to convey what you are feeling and thinking through body language to help you get what you want. And we talk not just about negotiating for a raise or a better deal on a used truck, but really negotiation as a form of exerting positive influence in the world. So those of you who are activists, who are working to end animal cruelty, who are working to get people healthier, all those things. These are useful skills for us all to have. And since it is largely about body language and today's guest, Greg Williams, is such an expert user, not just of the physical body, but also facial expressions. Um, I recommend you go to plantyourself.com slash 503, where you can watch the video and get the full benefit of our conversation. So without further ado, Greg Williams, the master negotiator and body language expert. Welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Why, thank you, Howie. I appreciate the invitation and I'm looking forward to having a great interaction with you. Yeah, you know, as I've been preparing for this, I've been like second guessing my own body language and like, you know, things I don't usually think about. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to try not to, you know, scratch my nose or... Uh, do 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 any any tells, but uh, so like so the first well, we go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say Howie, and and you know uh, you mentioned scratching your nose or doing any particular thing. As we engage today, I'm sure we'll get into body language deeper, and the fact that somebody emits one particular signal does not necessarily mean that person is feeling a particular way. And thus, you have to look at clusters of their body language signals to really gain greater insight. And like I said, I'm sure we'll talk. Okay, about good. That. Yeah, because, you know, the, the way I've read about body language sometimes reminds me of things I've read about dream interpretation. Like every time you see a snake, it means X. Like it doesn't matter who the person is or what their cultural context or what happened to them yesterday. And so, you know, when I see someone looking like, you know, there was a big thing, you know, with NLP where, you know, up and to the right always meant you're thinking about the past or, you know, so and, and in, in reading your books, um, which I hope we'll, we'll, we'll get into and talk about and share um, that it's not as simple as a one to one correspondence between it's not a, it's not a an alphabet. Right. But a, but a language. Correct. Exactly. Definitely so. And even uh, as you were alluding a moment ago, uh, looking up and actually to the left is supposed to be where we look when we're trying to recall things that have occurred in the past. Some people will do that and they'll look up and to the right. So again, you have to understand how someone uses a gesture per the way they think to actually distill exactly what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, can't just look at one gesture at all. Mm -hmm. So before we get into um, your work and, you know, the, the combination of negotiation and body language, I would love to just hear your journey. Like, how, how, where did you start and how did you end up here? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Howie, if you really want to go way, way, way back in the way back machine, it was probably when I was about four years old. When I was four years old, my parents used to let me shine shoes uh, outside of the corner bar. And where where was then, this? You know, parents would have to. Where I'm was sorry. this? In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay, so downtown, um, like and, 
Yeah, well, no, well, no, it was right in the neighborhood. Okay, well, I went, right I went to Temple, so I know something about Philly. Well, you will know a lot about the uh, 13th and Columbia. Okay, absolutely. Uh, for sure. Yes. So I lived right in that neighborhood back then. Of course, it's all gone now because Temple has expanded. Right. Into it's it's that either a parking area. lot or a sports stadium now, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. For sure. Uh, but back then, I was allowed to shine shoes at the corner bar. And I, without really realizing it, I was gaining inside tips about observing what people did that would net me more of a tip as the result of shining their shoes or as the result of them saying uh, no and then asking in a different manner that they would say yes. And again, as a four-year-old, I didn't really realize what was going on. But someone in our group of 100 coaches said to me, Greg, that was probably the foundation of you deciphering body language. And I thought, yeah, it really was. It definitely was. So it started back then. Now, let's progress from that point. As I grew older, I started studying body language. And when I was a TV um, news, a cat, um, actually to TV news contributor, I was branded a body language expert. And I thought, well, I know a lot about body language, but my expertise was more in the field of negotiations at that time. And I had helped many organizations negotiate multi-million dollar deals, high net worth individuals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, when I wrote my first book back in 2007, uh, I had some insights about how to become a better negotiator, so forth and so on. But I honed my skills uh, at Harvard. I honed my skills in the real world, as it were and the trenches of negotiations. And that's making a long, long, long story short. <laughs> Actually, it's not long enough. So I want to, I'm going to keep asking. Uh, okay. So, what, okay. What, so how did, how did you get into negotiation? Which is it's, I mean, it's such a fascinating skill because it's a skill all of us use all the time, but we think of it as something separate and special and for, you know, for just, you know, certain types of people who are really like aggressive and hard headed and unpleasant to be around. And yet all of us are negotiating all the time, every day with practically everyone. How did, how did you hit upon that as, I mean, you're, you know, you're like a gentle, nice guy. You're not the, the stereotype of a negotiator, right? Who's going to like grind well, your well, face it, into the ground for, for an extra two cents. Well, well, it's interesting you say that because my natural character is that of a nice person. At the same time, depending upon with whom I'm negotiating and the stakes of the negotiation, I change my personality. You hit upon a factor a moment ago when you said we're constantly negotiating. My motto is you're always negotiating. That what you do today sets the stage for tomorrow's outcomes. So as I negotiated throughout my career, I was always mindful of the fact that I'm setting the stage for what is to come. The last organization I worked for before starting my own business back in 1993 was an information technology consulting firm, and I had the highest margins in the company. And the president of the organization asked, you know, what are you doing in your division to get the highest margins? And I said, well, I guess my folks know how to negotiate better. Well, can you teach everyone in the company how to do so? And I thought, well, I know a lot about it. So, yes, I can. But, Howie, what it really comes down to is making sure that you can give the other individual what he or she wants to the degree that you do not give away everything you need. And you want to make that person feel as though they earned it. So those are some of the negotiation tactics, strategies that you have to engage in. And that's exactly what I did. Uh, I just observed constantly negotiating with folks and interacting with them to find out, okay, how can I enhance your perspective of the deal? Mm. So that's so interesting. I've, I've never heard that phrase before that, that they feel like they've earned it, but it makes so much sense. Mm. In fact, yesterday I was reading Dan Pink's newsletter about his new book, The Power of Regret. And one, one mm -hmm. of the regrets that people have is, 
some they they're negotiating and someone accepts their first offer. And it's partly right like, oh, I obviously could have gotten more, but it's also like I didn't earn this and they, you know, talk, mm -hmm. can you talk about er earning it and why? Like, like I would think like I'm a nice guy, like I don't want to be in conflict with you. I don't want to say no to your first offer, but I'm actually taking something away from you if I don't negotiate. That That's actually the truth. And in some societies, people look at negotiations as a second skin. It's what they do. So you never accept the first offer. I don't care how good it is because you can insult someone by doing so also. And it's like some people want to engage in the game. And when you make someone earn something, they appreciate it more. So how do you go about doing that? You don't accept the first offer. You haggle with the person. And yes, the character that you portray in any environment may be the character that you possess at that moment. But Howie, as nice of a person as you have been, if someone pushes you too hard, you will change your persona. Mm. You'll become a, a probably more aggressive, depending upon the situation, if nothing more than to send a signal that, hey, you've pushed me far enough. So again, when you're trying to make someone sense that they've earned something, you, you don't necessarily want to say yes too quickly. You want to make them feel as though they actually had to go a little bit at you such that you were able to then make the concession they were seeking. And again, you want to allow them to feel that they won something, not necessarily that they beat you up in the process, but that they won something in a nice mm. manner. And that's totally different from the way most of us think about negotiation as a zero sum game. Right. Like, you know, mm. I destroyed them in the negotiation. Right. But you're saying I want them to feel like they won. That's right, because here's what happens. If the opposition does not feel as though they won something, no matter how good they may have uh, felt initially when they walked away from the negotiation table, they may look for ways to unravel whatever outcome they were supposed to abide by. And and in addition, there are times when if you browbeat someone too much, again, they may feel as though, well, you know, you got the better of me this time, but wait until the next time. Uh, so again, you're setting the stage for whatever is to come in the future. And those people that take that zero-sum game of negotiations, Howie, I've been up against a lot of them. And I adopt the mannerisms now. I'm going to change my persona for a moment, just so you can okay. see exactly. Because negotiation is nothing more than acting. That's, that's what <laughs> it really is. So, okay. So you've just given me one of the ultimatums of uh, take it or leave. I'll tell you what, Howie. Let's do a role play okay. real fast. You be a bad guy, a zero-sum game type of person. Ooh, okay. What are we negotiating over? Whatever you wish. Uh Going to the corner store, whatever. All right, maybe um, you're, you. I want to buy your truck. Okay, okay. Well, why do you want to buy my truck? Uh, well, because it's um, you know it's exactly what I need. It's got good mileage. Um, it's it's been it's in good shape. Um, you know, and it's uh, it's a nice color too. That. Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay. A and how much are you willing to pay for it? Um, I'd go up to 8,000, but I really, I want to try to get it for four. 4,000? Yeah. I mean, it is, it is a 2005. You know, I know you've maintained it meticulously. Ooh, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the listeners what I did. <laughs> you made a face. You yes, I made a face, and, and and Howie, that's the thing. I didn't even have to say a word. My face spoke, saying how dissatisfied I was with your offer. Okay, so you can use nonverbal cues to cue <laughs> someone as to your perspective of their offer. So that's one way. Let's continue this just a little bit further and get them get a little more aggressive with me. Okay. Um... 
Look, um, I mean, there's plenty of other places I could go. 4, 4K, you know, you're you're selling it. So obviously you don't need the truck anymore. Um, you know, look, let's not let's not let's not waste each other's time. Howie, 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 Howie. OK, why are you making the assumption that I don't need the truck anymore? And 4K is way below list price. Are you trying to insult me? Well, I'm assuming that you want to sell it because you listed it on eBay and I listed it for, for $8,000 also. So if we're making assumptions, why not make the assumption that I want $8,000 for? Well, I'm, I'm sure you would want $12,000, but you know, we're, we're. No, I didn't list it for 12,000. I listed it for 8,000 because 8,000 is what I was, I, I was seeking. Okay. We can break, we can break, we can break right here, <laughs> but here's the point. If you would have been more, now I was a slightly more aggressive than you in that particular situation. Yeah, I and think normally, I redlined in terms I of my aggression. <laughs> I think I'm I sorry? redlined in terms of my, my level of aggression. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 okay. was, that was, that was me being as, uh, as, as alpha as I know how to be. <laughs> okay, Which means okay. I, I could, I could and, learn from and, you. Well, like I said, negotiations is an act. When you're negotiating, you're acting a role, really. It does not necessarily have to be your persona that you normally have. But in certain cases, you have to meet with what you're met with. And in certain cases, you have to surpass it. Now, one of the uh, books that I've written is titled Negotiating with a Bully. And in that particular situation, when you're negotiating with someone that will push you and push you and push you and continue to push you until you say stop, you really have to dig in quickly and make sure every time that person pushes you that you push back. Now, people go, well, wait a minute now, might that not uh, end in some type of stalemate in the negotiation? And my answer is yes. But every time you negotiate, doesn't mean you'll have a winning outcome at that moment, but you set the stage for continuing the negotiation by putting a stop to that person's antics to let that person know I'm not a pushover. It's not going to be a cakewalk, this negotiation, if you continue to negotiate with me as strident and as uh, strongly being negative as you possibly mm -hmm. want to. So is there, and I want to get to the whole bully thing, you know, once we've kind of set the, uh, um, the fundamental, but like, let's just, let's tackle this right now. Like, how do you define bully? Is it possible to be very strong and, you know, wanting to get your way without being a bully? Yes. I'm going to go into a quick role play with myself. Okay. okay. Um, and, and I'll just use the example that we were talking about a moment ago with the truck. Howie, you know, I, I really do appreciate your offer. I really do. $8,000 is something that I have to get for the truck. And I understand you have other options, uh, but... I, I have to have $8,000. I don't want to go into personal reasons uh, for why I need the $8,000 because my mother's in the hospital right now. But uh, I, I'm sure you have personal reasons why you needed to raise cash uh, quickly in some cases. And if you and I can come to a deal, I, I can make sure that you have the vehicle uh, this afternoon. Does that sound okay to you? <laughs> You're... Now notice something else. You're I'm nodding my body your head. Language. You know, um, people need to watch this on YouTube. So the, the, my listeners, <laughs> if, right? So I'll, I'll see the 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 URL is plantyourself.com slash five zero three. If you go there, you will see a link to the YouTube. And like this is we're talking about body language. Like watch it. Like mm -hmm. the, like mm -hmm. you are being a maestro here. <laughs> Thank you, Howie. Comes from years of practice for sure. <laughs> but but did you see the the distinction of I wasn't a bully, but I was somewhat insistent and I was taking an empathy approach. Please help me, Howie, type of thing. And people love to help other individuals. So again, depending upon the person with whom you are negotiating, you have to shift 
the strategies that you employ during the negotiation. If you're negotiating with a nice guy such as you, I would never try. I never try to take advantage of anyone anyway, but I would even be more aware of not only your gestures as we were negotiating, if we were face to face or if we were we were uh, negotiating during a video conference. Uh, to to make sure that you didn't sense, had no sense at all that I was trying to take advantage of you. And if I thought I saw that, I'd question you as I did. Does that sound okay to you, Howie? You know, I'd say things mm. like that and uh, to get your yeah. buy-in. So, well, I mean, one thing I'm thinking of here is, is, is it possible, like there, we're talking about zero-sum game, but there's more than one game, going on, right? There's there's the actual numbers. So let's say we've got this truck and it's going to be somewhere between 4,000 and 8,000. And let's say I'm like this master negotiator and I get you down to five and a quarter. And because, you know, I'll say, well, but obviously you need the money. It's you're, you're selling the truck. You need it for your mother. You're kind of desperate. Maybe this is going to be your only chance. And But is it possible to then to win more by giving more? Like if we go to six, five, and I would actually feel better, like I've done better in the negotiation than squeezing you for every penny? The answer is yes. And it goes back to something I've said a few times now. It depends on the person with whom you're negotiating. Because some people will think, oh my gosh, the guy is probably going to use the money to do something with his mother or for his mother that's in the hospital. Uh, oh gosh, I don't want to take advantage of him, but I do want a great deal. Oh yeah, okay, so maybe I will go to six five. Uh, let me tell you a quick story. Also, I negotiate just for fun, and I say that to say that's another way I enhance my skills. One day, I was at in an environment, and. Uh, I was having taps put on the heels of my shoes, okay? And I believe it was, um, I don't know, $8. Something that was really minuscule, but nevertheless, I love to negotiate just to hone my skills. And I said to the person, uh, $8, didn't this used to be $6? And she said, uh, no, it was always $8. I said, okay, well, can you do it for $6? And she said, uh, well, actually, no, I can't like that. I said, gave her $6. And I said, okay, I'll just leave the shoes here. Do whatever you can for $6. And I turned and walked away. I came back. Sure enough, she had done the shoes. Uh, she put the heels on the shoe, the taps on the sho uh, heels of the shoes for $6. And I said, by the way, where is Mr. Whatever the proprietor's name was? And she said, well, he's no longer with us. And I said, what do you mean he's no longer with us? Uh, this is his shop. And she said, well, actually, he committed suicide. And I was like, what? She said, he committed suicide. So I'm just here closing out the business for him. Uh, that's all I'm doing. Howie. I turned around and gave her a $20 bill. And I said, I know this isn't a lot, but uh, tell the family, uh, I extend my condolences. Now, in that particular situation, I felt bad at that point about negotiating her down to $6. But I tried to compensate for it because she told me a story that in, uh, solicited my empathy, number one. And that's yet something you can do in situations that I tried to do with my mother's situation. Uh, people need to feel good about an outcome. Right. So what, what that brings to mind for me is, so when you told me the story about your mother and, and the truck, my, there's a part of me that thinks, oh, he's lying to, to, to gain an advantage so that I feel sympathetic because he senses that I have a, you know, a soft heart. And I get this all the time, like in the town nearest where I live, there's a lot of panhandlers. Who, and they have a variety of stories about, I just, I need to get home. I don't have money for the bus. My kids are at home with my grandma. It's the same story over and over again. And I really want, you know, I'm sure they're not there because they're taking time off of their $300,000 a year job. Like they are in trouble in, in some way. 
I, I'm almost certain that they're lying about the specifics because they figured out this is how they get the most money and the most sympathy. And, 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 but when you tell me about the, you know, your, your mother and, and, and the truck negotiation, I think you're lying. So does, is this where body language comes in where I want to protect myself from being conned, but I still don't want to lose my heart? Uh, yes, it does. Because as you and I are speaking, I would take note of what you did once I said my mother's in the hospital uh, and I'm going to use the funds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If, if for example, you laid in and went, oh, yeah, really? Uh, tell me more. And I'd tell you more. If, on the other hand, you leaned back, just as an example, it would indicate to me that you might possibly not believe me because you're trying to put distance between what I said and your belief system. I would test that. I would say something along the lines of, if I saw you lean back, I'd say, Howie, I'm sensing that you may possibly not believe me. Now, notice how I even put that in the form of a question in the way it was mm. stated. And you would then say, uh, no, Greg, I, I believe. No. So, Howie, how would you respond to that? Howie, I'm sensing you may not possibly believe me. If you're in that mindset, how would you the respond? The mindset of? Thinking, you, thinking uh, that I might be taking advantage of you or trying to take say, advantage well, Greg, of Greg, we've just met. So, this isn't a reflection on you. Um you know, I've had experience where people tried to tug my heartstrings. So I don't know you well enough to be able to make a judgment. So that, you know, me, me potentially not believing this story is not a reflection on you, but on my experience. No, I understand exactly what you're saying, Howie. And I'll tell you what, you can call my mother at the hospital. The number is one, two, three. Yeah, four, that, five, that won't six, be necessary. Uh, well, no, I just want to convey to you the fact that I am being sincere. I'm not trying to take advantage of you, nor am I trying to tug at your heartstrings. I'm just being completely open and honest. Now, can we close this deal, Howie? <laughs> well, go for so, the close. So, at that point. so what you did is now we are we are lockstep in like you have empathized with me. You've made my uh, my suspicion. Okay. I don't even, I don't like, okay. I'm suspicious of you. Like whenever I'm suspicious of someone, I also feel bad about myself for my suspicions. So you've not only assuaged that suspicion, but you've normalized it, understood it, empathized with it, said, we are the same in that way. So you, you completely disarmed that whole, um, that whole issue. Exactly. And here's something to your point. People like people that are like themselves. So if you can see a reflection of me and you and vice versa, you are more apt to become more aligned with me and be more aligned with granting me what it is that I'm seeking as I'm trying to grant you the same. Mm -hmm. Cool. You know, very, very, very astutely stated. Uh, thank you for yeah. that, Howard. So what you just said, people uh, like people who are like them. So I, 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 want, mm -hmm. I want to bring up something that, that for, for listeners especially, which is that you're a black man. And mm -hmm. I bring it up not out of the blue, but your books are – you're not hiding that fact. And there's – in fact, you begin your book negotiating with a bully by saying, boy, in, tw in 2016 – Something happened to our culture where minorities and women, it's like it's like, you know, open season to bully people who have been marginalized compared to you. And so I'm very I've been very curious about because, like, you know, when I when I prepared for this interview, I went to Amazon to get the books and also to to look at the reviews and the negative reviews were all like, you're some sort of social justice warrior with all these grievances. Like this is like one person actually wrote like this is a book against white people. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, I'm curious mm -hmm. how that plays in for you. This, you know, based on what you just said, that people like people who are like them. And there's a there's a certain structural disadvantage to negotiating when, you know, with someone who has with who holds 
prejudice, which all of us do to some extent. Well, we, we definitely do. And one thing you have to do is uncover the prejudices that people hold or have when you're in a negotiation. Hopefully you do so ahead of time by doing your negotiation planning and in that planning stage, understand the mindset that person has, understand why that person has that mindset and address it sooner than later when you sit down at the official negotiation. Now, I am a genuinely open and good hearted person. I believe everyone in the world has goodness in them and I seek that in people as opposed to labeling someone. Now, other people may label me in a particular manner simply because of what they perceive me to be. I've had people also say that uh, I know nothing about negotiations, even though I've negotiated for governments, uh, high uh, C-level corporate folks, et cetera, et cetera. And what you have to do in some cases, remember, Every negotiation that beckons you is not necessarily for you. In some cases, if you do not have to engage with a particular negotiator type, avoid it. In cases where you do have to engage with such an individual, get them to understand what it is that you are all about. Meaning, that person that left that review, as an example, no, I'm not against white people. I'm not against any people at all. My Mission in life is to assist people, no matter what shade, what ethnicity, nationality they are. That's my real mission in life. Had that person gotten the chance to know me, as opposed to interpreting what the book uh, stated, the person would have seen a different person altogether. And that's what you have to do in a negotiation. To shift someone's, someone's mindset, you have to show them a different personality type than what they think mm. you are. So it, it sounds like though it's an extra, it's an extra, extra work for you, right? And it's extra work for women. It's extra work for people whom it's been okay or easy to pigeonhole. Well, yes, you always have to understand the environment in which you're going to be negotiating. Always, meaning what's at stake, the people that are involved, the people behind those that are involved in the negotiation. Why do they want what they want? Why do they want it from you? Where else might they actually get it? What tactics might they employ? How might you uh, thwart their efforts to push you in a particular direction that you do not wish to go in into? A lot of thought and processes have to go into the makeup of your negotiation plan. And you have mile markers to also indicate where you are in the negotiation compared to where you thought you'd be. And you have off ramps at certain points, because if you come up against someone that really has the mindset of you're black, you're against all white people and damn it, I'm just going to get even uh, with, for all white people against you. We're going to have a tough time at it. If you cannot believe that I'm as open and as honest as I possibly can be, and I'm not against you. And if you can't change that person's mindset, again, you break off the negotiation. You can do it in several ways. I understand that. And let's say it's something I really, 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 really need or want. I understand that you think I may be prejudiced. Can you tell me why you have that assumption? So what you're doing with that question is digging into that person's mm -hmm. mindset to hear exactly why that person thinks you are a particular way. And the person says, well, you stated in your book. No, I don't. Well, when I read such and such, I interpreted it as such. Really? Can you please give me your interpretation? You know, you're getting insight about that person's thought process. Mm. And that's, I think, one of the hardest things in a negotiation is to realize that when the other person's talking, you're winning. Right? Like, it feels like, oh, the, as long as I'm talking, I'm winning. But in fact, the more you listen and the more they talk, the more knowledge you get. That's true. And the thing is, the more the other person talks, if that person thinks they're winning, that's fantastic. That really, really is because you're just getting more information, more information, more information for how to reposition yourself in the negotiation. So you want to ask questions that will 
solicit that person, that other individual to speak more of what is on his or her mind such that you get that input to know how to adjust your negotiation strategy. I talked about having off ramps and mile markers a moment ago uh, that you've set about where the progress is at a particular point in time. That's how you do it. You get that person to continuously speak. Do you understand what I'm saying, Howie? <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> okay, you caught it. <laughs> I am not sure what you mean by off ramps. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll use some hypothetical numbers. I want $10,000 out of a deal. You're offering $5,000. We've negotiated now for, I'm exaggerating, a week. And I'm thinking to myself, this should have taken no more than two days. As a matter of fact, in my planning stage, I, I, well, let's make it for a hundred thousand dollars and fifty thousand dollars. Okay. In my planning stage, I thought, okay, so this will take maybe four days uh, at most like that because of whatever it is that we're negotiating for. So after day five, we're still stuck at you 50, me a hundred. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, something needs to sh be shaken up in order to move this negotiation ahead, or we need to pause it. So I may say to, to say to you, Howie, let me just ask, do you really want what I have to offer? And you may say, well, of course I do, Greg. That's why I'm negotiating with you. Why do you ask that question? Well, because we're stuck in the same position that we were in five days ago, and it appears that there's no ground to give. How about if we just think about our positions and we pick this up, up uh, maybe three or four days from now? Is that okay with you? And you may say yes. Now, if you say yes, I've taken an off-ramp from the negotiation at that particular point in time. I've paused the negotiation. Mm -hmm. I may re-engage with you. Or I said, we pick it up in three or four days. I may then sit back and wait for you to get back to me. If you get back to me, that will scent. I can sense that you had something to add to the negotiation. If I do not get back to you and you do not get back to me, it may indicate that, okay, you know, I'm glad I took the off ramp because I may have just wasted my time in the negotiation. And here's the point, Howie, the more time you invest in a negotiation, the more likely you are to make unnecessary concessions. And that's why you need to know when to take all frames. Mm, I see. So, and again, it seems like it's part of acting as well, right? In terms of like, boy, I, you know, I need a hundred thousand, but honestly, I need this deal. Like even if it's 50, right? So like there's a way in which um, you, you know, you, you like on one hand, you're very, very open with your disclosure. And on the other hand, there are, there are things you want to keep very close to the vest, right? Oh, oh, definitely. So uh, the amount of information you give again, depends on the person with whom you're negotiating. If you and I are engaged in a negotiation that says both of us will win with the outcome that we seek. Okay, in the case that we just spoke of a moment ago, 50 and 75, uh, 50 and 100, we may settle on 75 and both be happy because we've cut that difference in half. We may both be happy with that. If so, fine. If on the other hand, you came back and said to me, okay, Greg, and let's say you had been somewhat of a, I'm going to say bully in this case, but a mild bully mm -hmm. in this case. And you said, uh, okay, Greg, look, 75 is the best I can offer you. Now, here's, here are two tacks that I can take from that or two tracks that I can go upon from that. I can say to you, Howie, 75 sounds great. I appreciate the offer, but I have to get a little bit more. Now, we're no longer negotiating for 150. We're now negotiating for 75 and 100. So when someone says split the difference, understand that the parameters of the negotiation have just shifted. Uh -huh. And so 
if you were negotiating against your counterpart who knew everything that you knew, and then they would have a counter to that. Which might be? Uh, let me see off the top of my head. I, you know, I'm really looking forward to doing business with you. I think this is going to be great for both of us. I appreciate that you want more than what I've just offered. I wish I could do it, but I can't. Howie, you know what? First of all, I, I concur. I, I definitely do believe you and I will have a long lasting relationship. But just out of curiosity, why do you think this will be a great venture for us? Well, I mean, partly we've been negotiating for five days now. So we both have a lot of skin in the game. I think we've come to know each other. I think the way we're talking to each other now is much more open and cordial than it was at the beginning. I feel like we have the basis for a continual relationship. And that's why I think, you know, the quicker we get this signed at 75, the sooner we can start doing business together and see what comes up next. Okay. What, what, just out of curiosity, what do you have coming up next? Uh, well, once, once we get this deal going, um, I'm going to be looking to service some pretty large contracts and I may need some more from you. Oh, okay. When you say pretty large, meaning what? Well, three to five times what we're talking about now. So, you ah, know, so if we okay. just get, if we get started and with the 75, um, you know, I feel like we're going to have margin that we will both be happy not dickering over. Okay. Okay. Now okay. let's pause. I may agree at that particular point in time, you will have felt, I could just observe your body language. You will have felt that you mm -hmm. really did win something. Yeah. I'm thinking situation. I'm doing pretty if good here. <laughs> exactly. And, and here's the other point too, Howie, knowing you as being an honest and open person, I would then be able to use the information I just gathered from you about those future opportunities. And I would remind you of that. So I might say, yes. Oh, well, you know what, Howie? You know, boy, you're, you are a very good negotiator. <laughs> and, and I, honestly speaking, I love negotiating with someone of your talents and skills. Now notice I'm even yep, crazy. Yep, I'm, I'm softening uh, up. I, I, I'm showing you my belly. <laughs> I can feel it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. And, and you know, I tell you what, Howie, oh, yes, let's do this deal at 75. Let, let's do it, Howie, because as you said, uh, there's, there are greater deals coming down the path. And I look forward to engaging in those within the next month for sure. Okay. Right. Now, notice I just put a time limit on when yep. those opportunities are supposed right. to be coming so, well, too. Yeah, and, it'll, it'll and, be more, Greg. It'll be more than it'll be more than a month. Um, I'm looking maybe you know three oh. to four months out. Like we have to establish this first. Let um, you know. Let's let's meet in a month, and I'll and I'll uh, I'll give you a status update because I want this as much as you do. Okay, Howie. Let me just ask now because okay, let me be open and very 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 honest. I've been burnt in the past by folks that say one thing and then do something later that's not what they agreed to. Uh, you and I will not incur that type of situation, will we? Absolutely not. But to be clear, I'm not making a, a commitment or a guarantee at this point because I don't have the power to do so. The deals that I am talking about have not been signed. It would be irresponsible for me to promise you that. I'm not trying to lead you on. I'm saying that if things go the way I think they're going to go, there will be future opportunities for us. So I want to be very clear as well that and that you understand what I am and am, am not in a position to agree to. I appreciate your openness and honesty for sure, Howie. Now, now you understand why I just want to make sure that we can just sweeten this deal a little bit. So, Howie, given what we now notice, we're going right back into the negotiation since you've repositioned the outcome for the future. I'm now going to reposition our uh -huh. current right. uh, outcome. And then I would say something along the lines of, Okay, Howie. Well, I can appreciate that. How about if we do this then? How about if you make the full commitment that I'm asking for, the, the 100 now, and I'll take off 
that extra 25 uh, on our first, uh, our next first deal. Mm-hmm. How's that? Now, see, what I'm doing is limiting my liability at that particular point in time. But uh, right. do you see how you can always reshape an offer even when you think you have an offer? And as you reshaped it, I, I'm like, okay, wait a minute now. So now you're saying nothing is really guaranteed right. Right. for the future. That's what you just told right. me. So let so, me let me give anyway. you let me uh, break out of character and and tell you what I've been experiencing. And this it, it's weird that now I'm negotiating with one of the world's best negotiators, and I'm negotiating better than I would normally do. Now, partly it's a role play, so I have nothing at stake, and I'm just making stuff up. But partly, I feel like, and this I think this is the bigger part, is you are giving me permission to be a better negotiator with you because I'm mirroring what you're doing. And I don't feel, I don't feel like you're going to judge me for it because I'm doing exactly what you're doing. So do you, do you want to negotiate with better negotiators? Oh, for sure. (laughs) For sure. No, I, I personally do because again, it allows me to heighten my skills. And what you just said a moment ago, as I uh, alluded to when I was saying I'm heaping praise upon you, that's exactly why I heap the praise on you to give you the impression that you are a better negotiator. You're negotiating very well in this particular situation, which is honest and true. I'm highlighting that because once again, people like people that are like themselves. You see me as a good negotiator. You see yourself as a good negotiator. And it's like, wow, we are bonding subliminally. I can get you closer to a point of where I wish you to be. I just have to keep probing and probing and probing as I did with, well, how about if we extend this uh, this offer, give me the full price now, and I'll take the 25 off our very next offer. So that would be a possible solution. If you said yes to that, we have a deal right now. If you said no to that, I'd ask you, well, Howie, how do you then think we can progress this negotiation such that both of us are satisfied with the current situation. I'd, I'd ask you for that so I'd get your impression, and then I'd look for a way to slant that one direction right. or another. So I might say, well, how, how about this? Since I can't guarantee there is a next deal, and no, I'm not saying that there won't be or that I don't think there will be, but I can't guarantee it. So it would be irresponsible of me to com- just give you 25000 on spec. Um, but what if we sign a master agreement uh, that would that would be predicated on future deals? Right. So th- so we're going to stick to the 75, stick to the 75 now and. Um, you know, actually put put ink on paper about a commitment to working together in the future when the deals come through. Okay, uh, I appreciate that too. Now, now two things. Let me go two different tracks again. I may be satisfied with the seventy-five, and I'm like, okay, hmm, he's going to give me a non-guarantee on paper that we'll do future deals. Well, he he appears to be an open and honest guy. He's not promising me the moon because he knows he may not be able to deliver it. Okay, I, I'll agree to the deal. Or down a different track. I may probe one more time to find out if there's even more that I can get by saying, so Howie, again, it sounds like a, a possible feasible plan, but at the same time, you just said you can't guarantee anything. And, and while I appreciate the fact that you would be willing to memorialize future opportunities, there are no guarantees behind it. So exactly what are you saying? Mm. Well, I'm saying if we if we can at at, seven, at 75, uh, this deal will work for me, which means there's the possibility of future deals. More than that, this deal honestly will not work for me, and that absolutely precludes the the, the possibility of future deals. Howie, let me ask you a question. It's a hypothetical question, but it's also one based in reality. If you had to go one dollar more to close this deal right now, 
you would be willing to do it, correct? Well, I'm not going to engage in slippery slope because we could do. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not asking you to engage in a slippery slope. I'm just asking an honest question, an honest and open question. You would go one more, one more dollar. I'm not going to take advantage of you, Howie. I'm not. Believe me, I'm not trying to take right. advantage. Well, of you. I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm. It's open a, it's, it's, a, it's a it's a hypothetical but, question. Just as I, I would ask you the hypothetical question, would you be willing to take one dollar less? And I think there's something about where we're meeting in the middle that is is symbolic, as well as simply about the numbers. And so I think what I'm at, what I'm, what I'm saying okay. is that for, for me, for us to really be in copacetic partnership, we're not going to be haggling any further. Okay. I'll tell you what, Howie, I will accept $1 less because this relationship is more important to me than that $1. So, yes, uh, and you can memorialize uh, our future opportunities. Howie, mm -hmm. I really do appreciate negotiating with someone as good as you are. I will take a dollar less, Howie. I'll take a dollar less. Now, let's break okay. out of character for a moment. Stores, dealerships, whatever, use lost leaders all day long to get something of greater value somewhere else. You've heard about the life uh, sales cycle, uh, the life value of a customer and right. things of that nature, of a client. It's the same situation. And by me taking a dollar less, how do you feel now about that $1 difference that we were just talking about? Yeah, no, I want to argue with you and say, no, no, we'll keep it the way it is because now I'm in your debt and I don't like it. <laughs> And, and and then I would say to you to let you be in control. Control is a matter of perception. I would say to you, Howie, if you insist upon me taking that $1 such that it makes you feel better, I'll do so. But I want to do this so that you feel good about this deal. So do we have a deal? Right. So let me stay out of character and ask you um, about what do you think about my response as as calling out a slippery slope? Well, I could have done two things. First of all, it's a good comeback because, again, you're saying I'm not going to be easy. And here's something else, too, Howie. The reason I say you're always negotiating that what you do today impacts tomorrow is because as you and I engage in future negotiations, we will, whether or not we realize it, refer back to what we've engaged in today. And as we do so in future negotiations, we'll build upon that. So we're building a dossier mm. of how you and I interact with one another. So by you talking about a slippery slope, I would catalog that in my mind. And I would probably use that somewhere later in the future about, well, well Howie, that, that's really great. But, uh, you know, I don't want to engage in a slippery uh -huh. slope. I would mirror your words back to you at some point in our future negotiations for sure. And it would harken back to the time that you felt the same way. So be mindful. You, that was great how you positioned yourself. I can take the tools that you use against me and use them for my advantage in the future too. Mm -hmm. So way okay. to go. Understand it will right. bounce back. <laughs> So one, I mean, one thing that's coming to me is this is it's actually very easy for me. I'm glad you've been uh, inciting role plays because I feel like I'm getting practice. I'm learning. I'm, I, you know, I can see what a great teacher you are uh, and why people would want to study at your feet. Um, and when I'm in another situation, like I would I feel like I have the skills more than I have the emotional courage to actually utilize them. Right. So how, what, how do you think about, you know, whether you've taught people who, yeah, they can do it. And when they're doing it with you, they can do it. But out in the real world, there's there's sort of fears that keep them small, that, you know, that the bully is just a little bit too intimidating or this or or their need is so great that they don't want to take the risk of negotiating because they might lose it all. Well, the point is. How badly do you want what you seek really becomes the underlying source of motivation because Howie, given a life or death situation, if I can make this 
into an extreme, you will do what is necessary to sustain life. Okay, let's shrink that back down to a situation that's more marginal, as it were. Depending upon how badly you want an outcome, you will change the character that you project to enhance the probability of getting just that. So I do role plays, literally, such as what we're going through right now. I want you to be as hard as you possibly can with me right now. And I'll tell you, I'm going to be aggressive with you. And I want you to meet exactly what you're met with. Okay. 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 Do it then. Be aggressive. Be aggressive, with me. Greg. Okay. Be more Greg, aggressive. I don't know how I could be more aggressive without spitting them. Oh, yes, I you think... do. Yes, you do. Put more, put more bass in your voice. Well, come on, Howie. Greg, if I get any more, if well, I'm Howie, more bad, don't interrupt me, Greg. I'm doing this my way. Okay. And what does that mean? That means when I'm putting in the right amount of bass, I'm looking you in the eye. I feel the energy throughout my whole body. And if you, that's not enough for you, I don't know what is. <laughs> okay, let's break out a character. You're scaring me. <laughs> but you see how you actually instilled in yourself what was needed at that moment uh -huh. in time? Howie, reality is what we make it. When we are sleeping, we dream. And in our dreams, that become becomes our reality. Mm -hmm. We wake up and it's like, wait a minute. Oh, no, 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 no. That was not reality, but we thought it was. So if you think you can do something, you can. And I know you've heard this a million and one times. If you think it, you can. If you don't think you can do something, mm. you can't. So whatever you really want to do, you can put yourself in that position to do it. And you just did it. You just became more mm. aggressive. Boy, this really is like this is really about uh, victimhood and overcoming it. I mean, this mm. this feels very psychologically deep and fundamental for me in that, like, there's all sorts of realities and perceptions. And no matter what those are, I mean, you know, within within extremes, but in, in our civil in our society, no matter who you are, no matter what strikes you may have against you, the will and the force of your own reality can can overcome pretty much anything that you can be underestimated, mm. you can be marginalized, you can be, um, you know, um, discriminated against. And there is a force that we can find within ourselves that in many cases can can create an, an umbrella reality that changes everyone. A thousand percent correct. I oftentimes say people will only do to you that which you allow them to. Mm -hmm. You know, if you fight back, they'll they'll change their course of action and interaction with you for daggone sure. They'll only do what you allow them to do. And if you're willing to stand up for yourself, you'll find out a lot of people that you thought would just run over you. <laughs> well, now take pause. Mm -hmm. And it's not just, I think, uh, for me, it's not just the being aggressive. Like, so, yeah, when we're talking about bullies, it's about standing up for yourself. But in other situations where you just may be marginalized a little bit or ignored or not taken seriously, that, you know, a lot of, pe a lot of people who listen to this podcast are activists and they're trying to make the world a better place. And we can look at the world and say, boy, the problems are so big and I'm so small. Right. That I, I'm, I'm prone to this to sort of like a little bit of collapse, like, oh, I wish the world was better. I read the newspaper and I just I hate that person and that political movement. And and I wish this was different and I wish there wasn't pollution and I wish there wasn't animal cruelty. And I wish, you know, I wish, I wish, I wish. And what you're what you're saying and demonstrating and teaching me is a way of being more powerful in the world, not just about getting $4,000 more for a truck or $25,000 more for a deal, but about the impact we can have on the entire world. Oh, for sure. We all impact 
others, and others impact the world, as do we. And thus, if we see ourselves as being bigger than might be called for in a particular situation, we can become bigger and we can have a greater impact on whatever cause we choose to engage in. It starts in the mind. And from there, we have to let it flow throughout our body. You stated a moment ago, you felt the energy that was pulsating Mm -hmm. through your body. That's what we need to feel when we want to experience a bigger self. Mm. This is a fantastic place to end for now, I think. And I know you have another call coming up. Before you go, how can people find you? Tell us about your books and what, what you what you offer for not, you know, not just for the, the reader, but, uh, you know, as as a negotiator, negotiation teacher. Tell us how people how people can take advantage of your existence. Well, <laughs> first of all, I, I stated earlier that I really love giving back to people throughout the world because my mission is to make the world a better place by teaching people how to negotiate and read body language better such that they enhance their life. Okay. Having said that, I can be reached via email at greg, that's G-R-E-G, at the, T-H-E, master, M-A-S-T-E-R, negotiator, N-E-G-O-T-I-A-T-O-R.com. I can also be reached at themasternegotiator.com, and there are tons of free negotiation and body language tips on that site. I am willing to help people no matter what it is, Howie. And through my books, uh, you held up uh, the one book, Negotiating with a Bully, and my latest one, Body Language Secrets to Win More Negotiations. Read the books if you want. Reach out to me. I give a lot of free consultations. I do a lot of interviews. And it's not about money with me. It's about making sure that people can improve themselves. And that's what my mission is. Awesome. Greg, it was such a pleasure and an honor to talk to you and, I, and learn from you. I feel, I feel like I got a, a stealthy lesson in, in negotiation. Um, it's, this has been a great way to get to know you better. And I know my listeners and and viewers are really going to get a huge amount of value out of this. So thank you so much for all you do and for taking the time today. Well, Howie, thank you for once again inviting me. Thank you for exposing me to your followers. And you are someone that has lots of followers because you're impacting the world. So in closing, I will just say, remember, You're always negotiating. (laughs) Terrific. Thanks, Greg. Great talking to you. All right. Again, to watch the video, go to plantyourself.com slash 503. You'll also find links to some of Greg's books and his website and some show notes about our conversation. All right. Let's see what's going on in garden news. Not much, not much. The um, kale is still hanging in despite some cold cold spells. And in movement news, today was fun. I went out, I decided just to wear shorts, even though it was cold, because I know if I wear longer sweatpants, I just don't run as fast because I don't need to. And, you know, if you go out and you're comfortable at the beginning of a run, then you're going to be hot real soon. So I underdressed and jogged about a mile and then was planning on doing some hill repeats. And then thundering behind me, I heard the footsteps of my friend, Eamon, who is coming at about an 830 pace. And honestly, I've been doing, you know, five to six mile jogs these days at around an 11 and a half, 12 minute pace. So I decided, okay, this is what the universe has in store for me. So I kept up with Eamon and went up the hill and then down the hill and all the way and did about uh, four miles. And two of those miles were in the nine minute, which is big for me at this point. So I was very grateful that the universe gave me a a running partner who pushed me so well. All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Reidenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Dawn, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willreidenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. 
Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Brittany Porter, Dominic Maurer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatterley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Tina Scharf, Tina Ahern, Jen Filkonofsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Kelly Cameron, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franz, Jeanette Benham, Gila Sert, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesner, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Val Lineman, Nick Harper, Bandana Chali, Molly Levine, The Inscrutable, Harry R., Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Sharon Hirschman, Linda Ayad, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzinwa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olikoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Morani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Ann Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Peter W. Evans, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Picorni, Stephen Leenan, Patty D. Martino, Mike and Donna Kartz, Deanne Bishop, Billbury Elf, Marjorie Lewis, Trisha Adams, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gulledge, Laura Heaton, Meg for Mama Says, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Paranganchi. Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt, Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Edible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, Danielle Roberts, Michael Lushton, Sarah Johnson, Catherine Floyd, for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for now. As always, be well, my friends.